Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wilde. Entertainment reporter by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy. And healthy is hot. Join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely gonna be some laughing, and hopefully, you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life. To live your healthiest hot life. Very excited to have Sarah Jenner on the episode today. She is the Executive Director of Mindful Employer Canada. So what does that mean? She is a workplace mental health aficionado who supports leaders across Canada to confidently resolve workplace issues. You know those issues a lot of us have found ourselves in? Well, she is there helping leaders be better leaders to implement hands-on strategies to resolve interpersonal workplace conflict, support performance, and improve workplace mental health in ways that not only uphold dignity and respect for all involved, but also ensure that job expectations are fulfilled. So this was a really cool fit for Healthy is Hot because as we know, we spend a lot of time at work and our mental health when we're in the workplace environment is incredibly important and we have a tendency to bring it back. So I was so curious to learn more about her story what drove her to be involved in this world and ways we can all step up as leaders in our own lives. Enjoy the episode with Sarah Jenner. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. I think you're the first Sarah I've ever had on the podcast. Really? Because honestly, growing up, it felt like a competition all the time with this name. Sometimes I was like, mom and dad, what are you doing to me? Like every class, I was always the Sarah J, never just Sarah, (laughs) like Sarah J. And then eventually, people just like now people just refer to me as Jenner instead. It's just like my go-to. If you say it, I probably will respond to that before Sarah most of the time. Well, should we clear the air? Like, what do you want to be called? Sarah, Sarah J, Jenner? Is there another (laughs) name that you'd like? Let's go with Sarah. That's what's on my like business card, my email signature. That's what we'll stick with in this combo. I love a good business card. Like, I think yeah. it's, it's like you, basically anyone can get business cards made. But like, I think there's some, there's some, I don't know, there's something really cool about holding a piece of paper that says yes. like your name and like what you do. So like and if you were like, to give our listeners all uh, a business card right now, like what do they need to know? So about me specifically? Yeah. Okay. So I am the executive director of Mindful Employer Canada, and it's a nonprofit organization where we, I guess, started out seven years ago, just trying to help organizations who were trying to reach the standard of psychological health and safety. Um, So we were kind of helping them, coaching them, giving them templates to help them get there. And then eventually, I mean, two years down the road, we checked in and like, hey, how's it going? Like you're updating policies, you're updating processes. Are you seeing change? And a lot of them were like, no, (laughs) we're not seeing change. And so 
through. That's, like a, that's a pretty rough thing to hear. Like you, you've so just been like rough. giving your all into this company. Yes. You know, you provide all of this information and then you check in two years later. I'm sure you guys were quite hopeful when you checked in. You're like, what we provided is going to change the company. Yeah. And I can't imagine the poor HR professionals that were put in charge of like redoing all those policies and processes. And they're like, guys, what what is not clear here for you? Like, why are we not seeing change? And what we really picked up on was that the they were doing such great work but that the policies and processes were just hitting a what's the word I'm looking for like hitting a challenge um in that managers and leaders they just didn't know how to confidently and effectively change their processes their policies they didn't know how to um, make people comfortable with these changes. And that I think that just came and kind of enlightened us to a bigger issue of we often are promoting leaders because they're great at performing a system or a task, but we promote them and we're like, okay, great. So now you have all these responsibilities. You also have like a bit of an income increase. Also, now you're managing all these people and their emotions and their triggers and, you know, what they're looking for, their strengths, their weaknesses, and we don't train them on how to do that. And so then things can just kind of implode a little bit. Oh, you know what that reminds me of? Way back in the day when I was at, <laughs> in school at McGill University and like science was my, my niche. So you'd be in mm-hmm. like these heavily niched classes like biochemistry, neurobiology, whatever. And you'd have these incredibly intelligent professors mm-hmm. whose like resumes and CVs and impact in the scientific community was undeniable. But then you put them in front of a class and like they couldn't teach for shit. No. But yet they're so smart. Like, yes, they can perform a task and they are incredibly excelled. But there's a difference between like being great at your job and being able to share that information with others or being able to lead a group of people to do their jobs. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Like when you get a promotion as someone who's like, hey, do you wanna be a manager? Like, yes, please. Like, I love that. <laughs> like, thank you for recognizing me. But then you get there and you're right. All of a sudden now you have everything you've had to do before, but now all these people, and like you said, everyone's got, they've got their own shit going on. They have yeah. good days, they have bad days. They've got things going on at home. Uh, they've got coworker issues. And when you put it in that perspective, it kind of makes me feel for the managers and the leaders and companies. Like if they're not given the proper training, well, how are they supposed to excel at what they do? Absolutely. Like we're almost setting them up for failure really from the beginning, because then we are throwing out engagement surveys, employee engagement surveys. We're asking for 360s on your leader. And because we're not setting them up for success and handling these issues. And then we're asking the employees, well, what do you think of your leader? And then they get these results and they're probably like, well, what am I doing wrong here? Like, what is happening? How do I fix this? And then I feel like so many leaders probably get to a point where they're like, you know what? I just sometimes can't give a shit. And I just like need people to do what they need to do. That's what they're here for. And it's just kind of like this revolving door of issues that continue to happen. And I like being a leader myself, like it's really frustrating sometimes. And it can feel like you just lost control of a situation and you don't necessarily know how to get it back. Okay. So I'm curious, what would you say are the three 
biggest concerns you have mm-hmm. from like Mindful yeah. Employer Canada about leaders? And what would you say are the three best skills that a leader can have? Because I think we're all leaders yeah. in our own rights, right? So it's kind of nice to be able to check in and be like, okay, do I recognize any of these red flags? And mm-hmm. also like, can I celebrate the fact that I'm kind of tapping into these amazing skills? Absolutely. I think you're totally right. The idea of leadership, like it's all throughout our lives. It's personally and professionally. I think the three downfalls of a leader could be your ego. You just need to check your ego, which can be so difficult because I was reading this. um, I bet it was on social media. Honestly, I feel like I'm just saturated with social media lately. Aren't we all? Let's be honest. Aren't we all? This has been a rough week, Um, (laughs) but I was reading, someone had said that we have, we have these experiences in life. And once that experience happens or is happening, we make a judgment about that experience. And then we often take that judgment through life. And when we see a similar experience happening, or we're afraid it might happen, that judgment is pulled to the front of our mind. And we're just like, no, I don't like this. I don't Mm -hmm. want to do this again. And I think that's what can happen with leaders is that they have an experience. They have their ego who is like, nope, been through this before. I'm not going to let them get the best of me again. And they just make an assumption or they make a judgment call based on a past experience rather than being open to curiosity and really being more of like a detective and being interested in what's going on. So I think that's a really important thing is just, you got to check your ego at the door and you have to recognize it's not about you more often than not. It's about something happening with them and that they've been triggered. And so you just have to be, I think, really humble in that way. Another thing leaders need to do, um, walk the talk, I mean, Mm. that's such a huge thing. I think more often than not, we have organizations and leaders who see workplace mental health and they're like, ooh, it's this sexy new thing and we wanna do this for our employees. And they send out the memo and then there's no follow-up. And then that's it, right? You're like, okay, cool. So it's in writing. Like I have friends who have expressed that they've also kind of seen that firsthand and they Mm -hmm. feel frustrated about that. And I'm like, I mean, you you can't just take the first step. You kind of like- well, take a lap follow maybe through. Yeah. You got to follow through and you have to have those conversations with staff too, and say, you know what? We just sent out this memo. This is important to me as your leader. What can I do to support you at work? And mm. then the second piece is you got to be open to their constructive criticism. You know, it's hard. It is so hard. And I know for so long, I was in jobs where criticism was detrimental. It wasn't constructive whatsoever. And I think that you just have to have an open mind that sometimes people are angry, they're frustrated, they're hurt, and that criticism may come off as very negative. But again, checking your ego and saying, okay, what can I pull from this? What are they trying to tell me? And how can I get solutions from them on how I can support them? Because their success is my success overall as a leader as well. Wow. I love that you brought in mental health and that it's like the sexy thing right now. Cause it really is. It's like, everyone's kind of stepping up to the plate, but I feel like this wasn't always the case. Like, I don't think it wasn't that long ago where the, like the connection between mental health and your workplace environment was discussed. And yet we spend so much of our lives at work. So if our work environment 
is harming our mental health. Well, of course it's going to be detrimental, Mm -hmm. but what are some of the things like you've seen firsthand about this, like incredibly strong connection between mental health and workplace environment? I think you're absolutely right. Like we spend so much of our time at work really like more than the time we spend awake with our families at home. And I gosh, that's, that's a really, it's a rough fact to like soak in. I like how you just like, you slipped it under there, but yeah. Wow. It's the reality, right? And the reality is that I think as humans, we need that sense of community. We need that sense of connection. And if your organization, if you're, you as a leader, aren't willing to foster that in your team, I think you're going to see a lot of interpersonal issues. And with that community and connection, it doesn't just happen overnight. Like your employees really have to trust you. You have to earn their trust. And I think that's through authenticity and being genuine and being vulnerable with your staff. And I can remember like even 13 years ago, like having conversations with family about mental health felt so taboo. And now the idea of bringing it into the workplace, like I think that's what leaders are very afraid of is someone disclosing a mental illness because there's so much policy and process that has to happen after that. But what we really want to focus on is not, we're not training leaders to diagnose their staff. That's a terrible idea. It's not your job role. It's also so inappropriate and unethical. I was going to say, I'm like, that seems really unethical. It's so unethical, but you won't believe the amount of people who like we come into an organization to deal with an issue and they're like, yeah, well, you know, so-and-so they've been late for work a lot and they've been crying at their desk and, you know, I think it's anxiety. And we're like, well, no, that's not, it's not your job to, to say that, you know, what your job is as a leader is to support that employee while they're at work. And that's what we really focus on is training leaders and helping them grow and develop in a super safe and empowering environment where we're not criticizing them for their past experiences or what they did, but instead we're like, here's another way of doing things. And this can support staff who may have a diagnosed mental illness, but it can also just support staff in general. It's like a best practice because inevitably we're all going to be in the workplace and we're all going to be going through crazy crazy stuff like we are going through our shit like you said and this week too like with my team this week we have been talking so much about like oh today was a doozy like I really struggled today to concentrate or encouraging one another to do the things each day like take time for you focus on you we don't have any crazy deadlines this week like it's okay to step away and just take a breather Mm -hmm. for a little bit and I think that flexibility is so important in leadership too Yeah. And when you are an employee at a workplace where you know you have that flexibility, it Mm kind of takes a bit of the pressure off. If you are having a day or there's something that has triggered you in your life, like it's okay. Sometimes you need a day. Sometimes you just need to take an extra hour for yourself that day to like take a moment, do what you got to do, feel what you got to feel. And Mm -hmm. I think the more commonplace it is, to be able to take that time and know that there won't be judgment or criticism or pay docked or whatever, mm-hmm. like that's just going to make everyone feel that much more comfortable when they come in, especially on weeks like this. Like, <laughs> but yeah, like the work you're doing is so important. Like I feel like every company should have like this in place because it's mm-hmm. only going to make the company and the teams perform that much better. I mean, that's my dream. Like my dream is that my organization is no longer necessary because it's like, we've done this, you know, we've set up everything for the next generation coming in. And 
I think that's what's really inspiring about we just did a complete rebrand because we're launching our program online because obviously we can't do face-to-face anymore. Um, And with this rebrand kind of came a moment of understanding how I've been in these conversations in these offices before where they're like, oh, millennials, Gen Z, they're so entitled. They want their bean bags. They want their extra vacation weeks. Like they want the greenery. They want the open workspace. And I finally reached a point of being like, yeah, they are entitled and they should be like, we should all be entitled to come to a place where we feel good. We should feel entitled to come to a safe work environment. We are entitled to have leaders who are just invested as in our productivity as they are in our growth and development. And they're willing to mentor us and teach us like what a friggin' beautiful place that would be for every employee. I mean, if that's what entitled is, side me up. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the thing is, is that, you know, for the generations that do look down on millennials or Gen Z's mm-hmm. for wanting all of these, these things, it's okay that generationally things change. Like we, yeah. we have to grow and evolve as, as a species and, and mm-hmm. mental health is now a big part of that picture. And so naturally there's going to be different kinds of demands and requests from employees to make it so that they get excited to go to work and they feel good when they're at work. And like having a safe, supportive environment is like not a crazy idea. Like you're not asking for much. No, absolutely. And looking back at what we were speaking about, the idea that you spend so much time there, like it should be so important for that place to be safe and supportive of you. Like if we have friends who are in a toxic environment, a toxic relationship, like we're going to do everything we can to support them and help them because we know they deserve so much better than that. And so why aren't we doing that in the workplace? You know, think of how excited people would be to come to work. Think of how loyal they would be that they're going to be singing your praises to everyone they meet, which is going to just shine a beautiful light on you as an organization it's just like, it just makes me feel blissful. The idea of it. I can feel it. Like I feel blissful as a result. Like your bliss <laughs> is contagious girl, but okay. So 2013 is when you, you started working on this, mm-hmm. right? So like, what was life like before? And like, why is this so important? Oh, I think it's so important. Well, to take it back, back real far, um, growing up, I was a middle child. And I think that between my two sisters, I was the kid. I come from a family who's like pretty talkative, pretty like loud, very outspoken. And I was the one who like felt big feels. And I like to just sit back and observe the situation. I didn't like being in the spotlight. And I think my parents were kind of like, we don't know what to do with you. (laughs) And and, like, they tried to build me up by like, I think lovingly saying like, girl, you're too sensitive. Like you need to toughen up a little bit. You need to let people know what's up. Um, But it just didn't work for me. Like I didn't feel like that was my space. And so fast forward, I left home, went to university, um, and then graduated. And I was working at a, I don't want to name them because I don't want to like, I don't know what their situation's like now. Yeah, no, just, um, you can leave yeah. it blank. Let's be <laughs> nice. Was, we'll be was, kind. Thank you. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Right. Empowering, not shaming. So I was working for this organization where a manager would consistently, you know, tell me how expendable I was as an employee or berate me in front of colleagues, customers, Mm -hmm. a district manager, like really harsh stuff where every day going into work just felt like 
is this what the next 40 years of my life is going to be like? Like, is every workplace like this? It was, it was really rough, but then I had the opportunity to start to work for this angel of a leader. I cannot sing her present, sing her praises enough, Marianne Baton. And she introduced me to workplace mental health. And she really saw in me what I for so long thought was a weakness was that empathy, that feeling big feels. And she was like, no, you're coming with me and I'm taking you under my wing and I'm going to show you how you are just going to soar in this, in this space. She was so, she to this day is so sweet. I actually just saw her this week. We like try and see each other every once in a while. Um, And she was just so phenomenal. And even this week, like we were taught, I was sharing with her, like, these are all the ways you helped me grow as an individual. You created this space where you saw how I felt things and you were like, this is a good thing. You picking up on other people's emotions and caring about how they're feeling. That's important. How do we foster that and translate that into the workplace and how people can use approaches that really utilize that feeling. And so I was just like gushing with her about all the amazing ways she changed her life. And then she in turn was like, well, you opened my eyes because you were this, you came from this different perspective and generation and like you helped me create new things. And I mean, that's just, I think that's just what leadership should be. She was not only an amazing boss, she was um, such a mentor. She is like a dear friend now too. And she was just like really my anchor, my safe space when I feel like your family's your anchor, you know, where you feel like I can mess up, but they're always going to love me. And she also just created this anchor for me that like, and she reminded you that like being an empath is not a bad thing because the world, the world tells people who are empathetic, like that are empaths. It's not a bad thing. They tell you. Mm Don't be so sensitive. Toughen yep. up. Why are you crying? Blah, you need blah, thick blah, skin. Blah, 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 yep. blah. No, it's a beautiful thing. It is. Beautiful thing. Might it not is. be understood by everyone, but like yeah. it's a little bit like a superpower. It's a draining superpower. <laughs> yeah. Very draining. But it is. It definitely is. You know, if is. you find like a line of work where like you can use that connection with your emotion, the ability to see that in other people, mm-hmm. like that just creates this space for like really honest, vulnerable conversations to happen, which with what you do, I'm imagining is like the bread and butter of it all. It is because, you know, we're talking about workplace mental health and we're talking with leaders about scary experiences they've had where they felt like my, what I say next could be a make or break for someone. And that's such a terrifying place to be in if you don't have the tools to support Mm -hmm. you in that conversation. But we're also talking to employees who are feeling like if I tell them what's going on, I'm really worried about the consequences that will come from that, how it might impact potential jobs in the future within this organization, whether, you know, people will start talking about me. Is it safe to share with this person? Should I just keep it close to my heart? And what kind of support am I going to get here? And it is, it can be very, very tricky. And that's, I think what has just made this organization such a passion for me is taking those tough, tricky conversations and letting people know, like, if you, if you step back and you walk into those conversations, 
knowing that you're just trying to support that person, that that's your number one goal is to support that human being, not that employee, just that human being in any way you can at work and make them feel valued and make them feel appreciated for who they are. I mean, that's, oh my gosh, the change in like tone would be so different if Mm -hmm. we all just saw each other as human beings and tried to be there for each other. Yeah. Especially in like the boss employee kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's gotta would, be tough if you're, if you're an employee and you, you do have something you want to bring up and you're, you're, you're terrified of the consequences. Yeah. Like, like that's a really uncomfortable things. spot. It is because some leaders just aren't open to that. You know, that maybe in the past they had a leader who was kind of just like command and control. You're going to do what I want you to do. And I don't want to hear what your thoughts are on it. Yeah. And so that's just the role they've taken on. Like this manager that I had I know for a fact that when she went to her district meetings to like talk about numbers and results, they would stand each manager up in front of the entire team, put their results on a screen and then tear a strip off of them in front of their colleagues. So of course she's going to feel like, well, that's just the way it works here. Like, I think it's an organization as a whole really has to take responsibility and walk the talk really walk that talk and talk walk that it. walk. Okay. I'm, I'm curious because you're pretty young, mm-hmm. you're a woman, and yet you're a total badass. And sometimes it's a little bit hard, kind of a little bit mm-hmm. hard, like wearing all of those hats. Like what has been the journey like for you as a, an amazing leader and as a woman on this journey? Yeah, I think it's been like many women um, working in business, working in offices. It's been, it's been a journey. That's for sure. Like in the beginning, I think I really felt like I needed to play ball that there, I have to say like a lot of my colleagues are female. That wasn't always the case that when I first started in this sector, it was very male dominated. And so going into these meetings, being around the table, you felt like you had to play ball. You had to dress a certain way. Mm. You had to, there were whispers about like, you know, who maybe you shouldn't be alone in a room with, or who is not great to collaborate with because, you know, they're going to use you and then kind of just leave you. And yeah. And I think it's just this, this piece where as a young woman in business, I say young woman, I was probably in like my mid twenties, mid to late twenties, but as a young woman in business, it was like, I was picking up those morsels of advice and just clinging to them. Cause I felt like if I want to be at this table, if I want to have a chance to have my voice heard, these are the rules. And this is just what I have to do. I'm just going to have to do it for a while. And then I can figure things out. And then two, I'd say two years ago, um, I really started to become much more introspective about who I was. I did the personality test. I did the Myers-Briggs and I looked into that and I saw how it related to how, who I was as a person, but also the strengths that come from that, that I can utilize. And then I did the Enneagram and figured out, you know, what that is. And I just became so much more interested in digging deep into who I am and I mean, even like what some people may say is silly. Like I went to my first new moon meditation at home studios in Toronto last year. <laughs> I haven't been to one of those. How was oh, it? So friggin' cool. So cool. Like they, you sit down and they talk you through this meditation. And then after you're done meditating, they give you this, um, 
this piece of paper that you fill out about like, what are the things that you need to let go of that are just dragging you down? And then you fill out what are the things that you want to accomplish this month, next month, like this year, what are the things you want to aspire to? And then at the end of it, you like tear off the things you need to let go. And a lot of people will burn it but we were in a studio, so we couldn't burn it. <laughs> but it's like, you just tear it off and you throw it in the garbage. And that was like, I think those moments of introspection are always the times when I need to look at where does your compass feel off right now? Mm. And what do you need to do to get it back to North? Um, and I just really started relying on those. And now like me and my girlfriends will get together and we will read tarot cards and be like okay so what is this telling you right now like what do you (laughs) need to work on it's so fun it's so fun and I feel like it's really brought us so much closer because we're having those authentic genuine conversations whereas I mean pre-covid I think when a lot of a lot of the times when I met with friends it was like for social events for weddings Mm -hmm. for birthdays and you kind of lose those those deeper chats and so I mean I'm so grateful to this pandemic because I feel like I've gotten to know all of my friends over again like I'm meeting them for the first time again and it's been so amazing gonna make me cry this is so beautiful (laughs) well I like really love my people they're just like amazing amazing humans that I like I just want to sing their praises all day. They're so great. And it's just been like such a joy to see how they've evolved too as individuals and mm-hmm. having having different conversations than we usually have with that like surface level stuff. Yeah, I'll be honest, like before the pandemic, I had a moment of realization where I was like, I'm so fucking over superficial conversations. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I can do the small talk thing anymore. Like, I think I've reached my limit. And I'm like, I was craving like real human connection because I think before this pandemic, it was just autopilot. It was like, Mm. we're running fast. We're moving fast. We've got a lot of stuff going on. I don't have time to talk. Yeah. And then all of a sudden life just kind of really slowed down and forced everyone to look internally, look at the people in their lives, look at what they value, look at where they could grow. And it's kind of awesome that, at least we can look back and find the silver linings and find like the beautiful things that came out of this really, really difficult year and being able to connect with yourself is super rad. And then being able to connect with the people in your life is also super rad. And I kind of love that you got to meet your friends all over again. Yeah. It was so like for me, and I think I recently just came to this realization. Like I was sitting with a friend, we were having like an outdoor he was 10 feet away in his chair. I was 10 feet away in mine. And we just sat there talking for like four hours. And I was just like, this is amazing. I love that we're doing this because we live together in university. But like, then we kind of went our ways, right? And you have work, you have relationships, and you just kind of lose those, those moments of like, when we live together, it's just like, well, I'm doing homework in the living room. And so is he. So we're just chatting about life. And now we're getting a chance to like just stop and talk and like figure out like what's going on with your family right now how are your parents like what's your sister up to how's work how are you coping with this and it just yeah it just feels so authentic again and I am just like it's the thing I'm Mm -hmm. most grateful for I think in this pandemic and those nice kind of deeper conversations allow you like the most authentic version of you Mm -hmm. to come forward and take up space 
And the more we tap into that, the more I think it's easier for us to actually stay authentic in every aspect of our lives, whether it's who we showcase on social media, because as we all know, that's very easy to be very easy to not be authentic there, be more authentic in relationships, in the way we show up at work and like being able to be authentically yourself and unapologetically yourself. Mm -hmm. Whoa. That'll change everything. What a powerful idea, right? That we don't have to, (laughs) like, not only with our friends, but then taking that into the workplace and not feeling like you have to walk in and play a role every day. Oh my God, sign me up. Like, that is exhausting. And I am so grateful that for the last seven years, I've been in this place where I can always show up as my authentic self. Like, And my, when I worked with Marianne, she always knew, like she always knew when something was up and we'd be working across the table from each other. And she would just close her laptop and be like, so what's going on with you? And I'm just like, oh, shoot. (laughs) I thought I was put on the spot now. (laughs) Yeah. I thought I was hiding it real good, but she's like, no, you're doing that thing with your eyes where they're like glazed over. And so I know something's up and I'm like, okay, yeah. Like I got some big things happening. And like, that's so nice for her as a leader too, to be able to be like, okay, yeah, you got some big stuff happening. And I know that you've got this on your plate. So what can I do to support you this week to make you feel good at work? And I'm just like, lady, where did you come from? Like, this is so amazing. She's just like, oh, I just adore her. I mean, it sounds like she changed your life and I have a feeling you're going to end up like paying it forward because like, that's what you do right now with your everyday work. But I feel like one day you're going to find someone and you're like, take them under their, under your wing and be like, okay, come on, let's go for a ride. (laughs) Let's do it. I did tell her the last time I saw her was like, I get it now. Like with her, she was always so excited to involve me in stuff and give me opportunities to come along with her and like, see how, see how this world of workplace mental health worked. And now having a team of my own, I am just like, I feel like a proud mama, like when they do things that they've never tried before and they just like, they just kill it. Like they do such a good job. Then I'm like, this is so huge. Like, do you recognize how huge this is? Like, look how far you've come in the last three, four months. Let's stop and like, talk about this and all the ways you've grown as an individual. I just am like, oh, it just fills my soul. It fills my cup really. And that's such a powerful reminder for all of us. Like if we have someone in our lives, like in a position of leadership or a parent or a partner who celebrates us and forces us Mm. to look at our accomplishments, amazing. But I also think sometimes like we got to take a little bit of that ownership and that responsibility and be like, you know what? I should pause and look at everything I've done and celebrate it. Like, even if I'm still on my journey, even if I haven't quite accomplished my goals yet, Mm -hmm. like take a moment and look at what you've been able to do the past little while and pat yourself on the back. Absolutely. I think listening to your conversation with uh, Ryan Hayden, I want to say Hayden, Hayden, Ryan, um, you guys started talking about that idea of fake it till you make it. And I remember in my like late 20s saying that one time, just being really nervous about going out and like speaking in public. And I said, you know what, I just got to fake it till I make it. And then a colleague of mine was like, no, don't do that. Like you need to recognize the work you've put in and all of the ways that you can share your knowledge and your wisdom, like give yourself the credit you deserve 
do not fake it till you make it. Like you earned this. And so you need to recognize that. And when you guys were talking about that and also talking about how the idea of like, it's almost like that. I don't want to sit in my fear right now. And I don't want to acknowledge that, you know, this is out of my comfort zone. I was just Mm -hmm. like, wow, like what a powerful thing. But I think it's a statement that you know, we grew up hearing, I think as soon as I hear it, I think of like sex in this city, like Samantha being like, you know what, you just got to fake it till you make it. And I think at the time it worked, but now I'm like, no, I don't want to fake it anymore. I just want to like, yeah, you just want to like be it. And then like, if you're not there, then like, just get there. I used to say it all the time. Like when I started in this industry, everyone was like, how did you do it? You didn't study broadcast journalism. And I was like, oh, I faked it till I made it. And like, I, I, I held that true. And I was like, now looking back I'm like when I said that like I basically didn't acknowledge that I was still the one showing up and doing it even though I was terrified in the moment and felt like I didn't know what I was doing so like if fake it till you make it gives you the motivation and the courage to like get up and do it like I don't want to take that away from you to anyone who's listening but at the same time like next time you say it like examine it be curious and like look and be like am I faking it because I actually just did it Yes. And find those alternatives that can like boost you up without you having to say that. Like for me, throwing on Beyonce's Lemonade album (laughs) is always my go-to. It just like pumps me up to like, you are a powerful being and you have stuff you can share with the world and make an impact and you just need to go out there and do it. And so that's always my go-to. Little Beyonce. Queen B. Look, you, you need to have some tools in your toolkit, my friends. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do when you need a little pump up? What do you do when you need to, like, tap into your mental health? Like, we all need to have multiple toolkits yeah. that we can just kind of, like, dig into when we need them. Music Absolutely. is so powerful. Friends, date great conversation, warm cup of tea, whatever, movement. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I think I think everyone should have Beyonce in their toolkit. <laughs> every single soul. And I think what you've talked about is having that toolbox is with the pandemic. What we've seen so much of in the workplace mental health area is that people are saying like, you know what, it's made me so like, I feel like everyone experiences mental illness. Everyone has mental illness. And it's for us, we don't want to say like, no, you don't have mental illness, but it's like, do you, or have you just never felt these feelings before? And you haven't had to build that toolbox yet. And so you're just, you're struggling to find those things that work for you. Those things that bring you calm, that boost your energy, that bring you joy and kind of ease your mind when you're feeling overwhelmed. And it's interesting to look at the people who have a diagnosed mood disorder, who have already created that toolbox and how through this pandemic, they're like, yeah, I got my tools. I've been using them. And so now I feel like we're just opening up conversation Mm -hmm. around this and the idea that, um, yes, there are going to be employees who have a diagnosed mental illness, but there are also going to be employees who are just struggling with significant stress and they may have similar symptoms to those individuals who have a diagnosed, diagnosed mood disorder. And so like, it's still imperative that we're supporting them at work and helping them. We can't just, you know, cross our fingers that the pandemic's going to end soon and that everyone will just go back to who they were before. Yeah. (laughs) No, we are changed. We are forever changed. Thank you, 2020. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, for you, you've been doing this a long time. Like Mm. looking ahead, like what kind of changes would you like to see put in place? Like what kind of global changes? Oh my gosh. 
This is an exciting question. Like I loved, I feel like your answer before is definitely like rings true is like for all leaders, actually for anyone, like if you are in a position where there's a difficult conversation, treat the person like a human being, Mm -hmm. not like your colleague, not like your whatever. Yeah. I I think for me, it's uh, the idea of empowering leaders to, to take charge and not in like a brutal command and control way, but to take charge of having those tough conversations to let like humanize that conversation to let them know, you know what, there are going to be times when you mess up, when you say something that maybe you find that employee is triggered or they're defensive. It's okay. Like that's natural. Again, it's not about you in that moment. It's okay to step back and say, you know what? I just, I didn't approach that the, the way I had intended to, do you mind if I start over? Like Mm. having that humility too, of saying, you know what? I, I messed up and I want to try this again. I think that was also a really powerful point for me in my career was recognizing that mistakes are human. You're going to make them. And when you try and hide them, you have that, like you're constantly walking around with that weight on your chest, always looking over your shoulder, wondering who's going to find out. And my leader was just like, no, if you make mistakes, like, let's just talk about it. Let's figure out solutions. And so I guess my dream is that leaders, leaders just really give a shit about the employee experience. You know, that it's, it's just not about the productivity and the numbers. It's like, okay, but how do our people feel? How do our, how do the people who like make us possible, what is their experience like here? And how do we make that better for them? And that then they take that even further and they actually ask them, what do you need? Rather than them deciding what their staff deserves or what they need, like engaging them in that conversation. Mike, drop. <laughs> that was such a fire answer. Oh my gosh. Um, Sarah, you are such a champ. Holy oh, cow, you're inspiring. Um, my last question, which is the same in every single episode is, what does healthy as hot mean to you? For some people, Ooh. it's a feeling or a mantra or I don't know, just like a philosophy they live by. Mm-hmm. I love this question. I think uh, I had to really think on this one. I think for me, it doesn't come down to any like one particular thing. I think it's doing things for yourself out of love rather than obligation. So if you want to do that workout, do it out of love for yourself. Not like I have to do this workout because I feel like I need to fit into these pants I just bought. Like do it for you. Make that delicious meal because you love yourself and like you want to eat that amazing nourishing food and go out and like, well, when we can go out again, but like go out (laughs) to a party because you want to be there. You want to see those people, not because you feel obligated to, or that there's going to be like negative repercussions, just like lead with your heart, not only in leadership, but I think in your daily life too, you know, give yourself grace and just do things with love. Oh, I mean, the happy dance is, uh, is, is I'm exhausted over here. Yes. Yes. To everything you said, this has been such a treat. Thank you so much. Where can people find out more information about you and mindful employer Canada? Yeah. Where there's the traditional, you know, go to our website, mindfulemployer.ca. Um, but then we're also on Instagram at mindful employer Canada. We're on Facebook at mindful employer Canada and, reach out to us, you know, especially on Instagram where we start doing this thing every week where we give tips on 
um, workplace challenges that our community sends to us. And they're like, hey, this is a challenge I'm having. And we make it into like a fun little reel um, and give them information. So if you're looking for tips, you can always find us there too. Done. Sign me up. You got a new follower. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. This is so lovely. I've loved this chat. And just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wilde. If you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. See you next week.